0: girl powerful podcast we're two sisters on a mission to entertain and educate by learning from women who live a purpose-driven life
1: be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast
0: hello everyone and welcome to the girl powerful podcast today we have clark finney on the show with us we are so excited as Clark is a lifestyle show co-host in San Antonio, and she's also the author of The Perfect Mix, a book about a mixed girl who learns to love her mixed hair. Clark, thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Thank you for having me. It's such an honor, and it's so cool being on the other side of an interview.
0: Right? I know during the pandemic, you um, interviewed Girl Powerful for like a good news segment, which was really, really fun that you, you know, that those kinds of segments exist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So So it's nice to be able to switch roles.
2: Yes. I love it. I love it. I'm happy. I have
1: a question though, really quick. This is like a side note, but do people tend to like the regular news or when you do like the nice people, good, good feeling things, is that less ratings?
2: Honestly, so I I don't pay attention to a lot of the ratings that's above my pay grade, but yeah. <laughs> um, I know that people do love positive news. They yeah. like to be informed, of course, and sometimes it's hard because as journalists, we do have to cover the hard stuff. Um, it's a huge responsibility for us and it's a part of our job to inform and to seek truth and then to present information that can have immediate impact or that people should really be aware of. But Um, I'm in lifestyle because I love positive news. I came from doing hard news. Uh, That's like the concentration. That's what it's referred to. Um, But I came from hard news broadcasts and started off as a reporter covering some pretty tough stories like murders, kidnappings, uh, severe weather. And it took a toll on me after a while. And after I got a taste of morning anchoring, where I was able to let my personality come out more and be more positive and help people start their mornings. It Mm -hmm. really changed my perspective on what I could do in my field. So uh, now I'm in lifestyle and it's more community oriented. I get to go to restaurants and taste new things and meet new people and talk about nonprofits. So I know that people who want a break from the news are excited for our show to come on right after the news airs
0: definitely yeah. the bright part of the day and you're such a bright personality too it's nice and I like your style because you oh. all have really like bright colored dresses I, just love it
2: I know I, I joke like really people are like are you are you just like this is this who you are as a person yes I've always just been a morning person and <laughs> yeah. I like to bring that
0: sunshine to people too so That's really nice. So as a journalist, um, you know, you have to do the hard work itself, but then you also have to be forward facing and present yourself Mm -hmm. to the public. So have you always, you know, and that's really a more like of a role of confidence to put yourself out there. Um, So have you always had the self-confidence or did you work on it really? What was your path like from a teenager to now? Oh,
2: man. That's a big question. So I have not always had this confidence. And I think the confidence that I do have now, it's what I share with everybody. My biggest piece of advice is to really be yourself, learn who you are, learn how to love who you are. You will never truly be successful until you're real with yourself and honest with your interests, what you like, what you don't like, what your standards are, all of that. It just dominoes into the rest of your life. So with that being said, I actually struggled with, it was a minor speech impediment. I would slur my words a lot. Um, And I I noticed that it actually was a huge struggle for me in middle school. Just, I was a little bit more shy, more reserved. uh, Didn't share a lot of my opinions. Didn't want to uh, cause any issues or avoid. I avoided confrontation a lot. Um, But I you know, I would kind of slur my words. So if I was talking to someone and it was almost like I was trying to force my sentence out to get it over with instead of actually communicating if I had something to say. Um, And so I struggled with that for a little bit. And then uh, in high school, it got a lot better. But in college, I still kind of struggled, especially in front of the camera when we were doing, um, the program was called Eagle Vision. And I would stumble over words or not enunciate very clearly. And it's because I didn't want to project my voice. I just, I kind of like spoke with my throat if that makes sense. Um, And so it took a long time, but honestly, after, you know, doing what I was absolutely terrified of which was being in front of cameras and, you know talking to a camera and really connecting with people. It was hard, but I kind of taught myself that um, the more you do something afraid the more it becomes natural and you get used to it after a while I I don't like the saying fake it until you make it I like the saying you know do it afraid and I don't even know if that's an (laughs) official saying I just I'm like I came up with that myself but I'm like no really do it absolutely terrified because that's when your authentic self comes out and you're able to overcome you're able to conquer um and so that I mean over time my confidence grew as I stayed true to myself and um, now I'm here
0: Do you think subconsciously you knew that if you went into journalism and then broadcasting that it would push yourself to be to change and to evolve or like did you know or did you like go to speech therapy like what was it like that pushed you in it because it's like if you had a slur and you weren't as confident in your voice you're going into a field that is all of your voice you know for everyone to listen to. So how did you decide to do that.
2: Uh, Well. My heart is always on my sleeve. I always, I am a very empathetic person. And the reason why I wanted to get into journalism was to serve communities better and to give back to people and to be a voice for the voiceless and to really connect and connect humanity back to itself. Because we can all relate on different levels outside of being human, you know, life experiences and um, commonalities and things like that. So my love for what I did outweighed my fear of doing it. Yeah. And that's what really drove me um, to continue and grow stronger. And it's really funny because when, when you do speak, and I'm sure you guys feel this too as podcasters, um, but when you project your voice, there's a strength that you have to put behind it. And you can't, you can't just talk with your throat or whisper. You have to let it all out in order to really get you feel the vibration in your chest like it, it's a feeling and so after kind of harnessing that inner power that I had I was then able to just grow in my skill set and after a few years of doing it I stopped being so nervous and I realized oh my gosh I'm actually really good at this <laughs> right. because it's not authenticity. and I very much was like I'm not gonna have an anchor voice like I'm just gonna do my own thing and so staying true to myself in that process has opened up doors that wouldn't normally open at my age. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's amazing to, you know, to live it out and to see, wow, all that hard work and all the fear and everything, it was worth it.
1: Yeah. I feel like, cause this is like your throat chakra and this is like where your truth is. So like mm-hmm. I've, I've been to speech pathologists growing up and things like that too. And Public speaking is my nightmare. and But it's like through the pandemic that, you know, we were all forced to look in the mirror a little bit and like everything was magnified. We pushed ourselves forward and made a, ourselves do some press and I kind of got over it. Like you said, you just kind of do it and you, yeah. you end up on the other side and you kind of forget that person that was scared of these opportunities. Because every time you use your voice, it's an opportunity to be heard, to share, to connect and to heal humanity in our communities.
2: Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's, for me, it has been a way to show people, hey, you can do this too. That's why I love TV. That's why I love, you know, I'm thankful for the platform that I do have because people will reach out and they'll go, oh my gosh, how did you do it? And you're so cool and X, Y, Z. And I'm just like, no, I'm literally just like you. I promise you. Like I go home and I'm super weird. I will literally do dishes and do whatever. And I won't talk because I talk for a living. And then I get really self-aware and I'm like, oh my gosh, well, I haven't talked to anyone in, in a few hours now, that's kind of strange. So it's just very, we're, we're all the same. It's just, um, I don't know. I, I like to remind people that we, we have those similarities. I didn't just wake up one morning and, and have talent and I genuinely did not have a natural talent for TV. I didn't. So I had to really work for it and practice and, and ultimately just let the authenticity
0: show because that's what people want. Yeah. And that's why you're still here, which is amazing. Yeah. So you're on air, but then you also have a new project that came about during the pandemic. Um, you are the author of The Perfect Mix. Um, It's a new book that's out about a mixed girl who learns to love her mixed hair. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about the book? And then also like you, you shared with us before the podcast so that you were journaling, you know, through the pandemic and then it it sparked something in you to create this book and share it with, you know, children everywhere. So tell us.
2: (laughs) So like most people and small business owners out here and people who have started new ventures, the pandemic was an inspiration because it was such a dark period we're still in it but at the start of the pandemic um, when there were so many unknowns where there weren't solutions or vaccines things like that i feel like people really kind of had a wake-up call in their lives and prioritized what was truly important or kind of rediscovered what was important so for me during the pandemic it was important that i got therapy Um, because of the field that I work in experiences, I had just moved to San Antonio from Odessa, Texas, and, uh, it was already a big transition, leaving news and going into lifestyle. And I got a therapist because I thought I was so healed and like, Oh, I'm just going to get a therapist and, um, talk and make sure check in weekly, make sure that I'm really okay. And it was more like a, it was almost like a workout for me where it's like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and then 30 minutes or an hour of therapy. And it was a part of my routine, but I did not realize how much I needed the therapy and how much my hair and the things I went through as a little girl when it came to identity and race and culture were really still kind of in the background. And I hadn't fully addressed the pain from that yet. Um, And so during therapy, it did eventually come up where, know, I had started wearing my hair curly on air because I was embracing my natural curls and everything. But the conversation did come up where um, basically I talked about my identity and how I struggled when I was younger to identify with anyone because I mean, especially in the early 2000s, I looked so different from people. And now we have Instagram and YouTube and everything. So there's so many different multicultural variations of people out there where you're just exposed to a true melting pot because social media touches the entire world, you know, other countries. And, um, but when I was younger, growing up, no one looked like me. No one had the same hair texture that I did or even the same skin tone, even all the way up to high school and in college. Um, I never met someone that I could really identify with. So I always felt very alone, actually hated my hair And I remember a moment where I was younger and I would like wish on stars because, you know, Disney and fairy tales and things like that. But I a few times made a wish, like I wish I could be someone else. I wish I could have straight hair and not be me. And I will never forget wanting that because it was a true, true thing that I wanted. Um, And just growing up with that mindset and always feeling like I was on the outside and it wasn't until I got older that I really had to learn how to embrace my multiracial background instead of trying to pick a side. And um you know the way that my voice sounds a lot of people are like, oh it's very SoCal, it's very Orange County, you kind of sound like a white girl. I'm actually black and a lot of other things. So you know it's a it's a melting pot, but um, my dad's side is Black and Irish, and then my mom's side is, there's a little bit of Black, but it's more French and European. Um, and then they came together and made me, and growing up, my hair texture was very curly and frizzy, and I did not know how to do my hair So my mom wouldn't have to do my hair or, you know, the one black grandma in someone's basement, you know, once a month is like, come here, Clark, I can trim you and I can style you, but I couldn't go to like a super cuts or a regular hair salon that everyone else could just pop in and out. Um, My hair took a long time to do and just going through that and feeling like, okay, I'm the other, I have to go to this person to do my hair because no one else knows how. And I almost felt like I was a problem to people. Like I was an inconvenience. Um, and so I started journaling and through my therapy process, I journaled. And then I said, okay, how would I tell this story to my younger self in a way that's loving? And so that's when I just started to rhyme the words and put them together. And it touches on different periods of my life. The big reveal at the end is that the story is my story, Um, But it it really touches on, you know, just hair love and the journey that it took me, you know, damaging my hair and straightening it all the time because I didn't know how, how else to style it all the way to, oh my gosh, I can wear my hair naturally curly. I just need to take better care of it. So it's healthy enough to curl the way that it's supposed to.
1: Um,
2: So it's a, it's kind of a full circle moment going through all that and looking back and realizing how hard it was for me to feel so alone and truly not be able to relate to people and then the racial aspect where it's like I felt like I wasn't black enough I wasn't white enough and everyone knew so mm-hmm. I was very much caught in between um, but now that I'm older I know that I can be proud of everything that I mix with
0: where did you grow up
2: southern California Orange County you were That's right. And I went to private school in Tustin, um, Mm -hmm. starting off in elementary school. So there weren't a lot of Black people or multiracial people in that area, anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, And then private school in middle school, which again, there's like three Black kids. (laughs) I was one of them. Uh, And then in high school, I really got a taste of, you know, different Asian cultures and, Indian cultures and things like that because I I went to high school in Irvine and that was my first public school so that's when I got my first taste of true diversity and there was African and Sikh and I mean there's there was a lot of different cultures but still I was
0: the outlier no one looked like me so you were going into high school yeah feeling different you know and then finally kind of being seen in high school
2: yeah and then people choosing to see me how they wanted to see me like I I dated a guy for a long time and it's actually in the book um I renamed him so that he didn't feel as bad but it was like one letter off it was a one letter change but it's fine Um, (laughs) but he told me um you're so pretty because your features aren't super black like they're just black enough and Mm like the white is what makes you beautiful. And I thought it was a compliment. I was like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, my hair and, and everything like that. I don't have a big nose that's flat or whatever. I truly kind of tapped into that mindset because that's what I was told growing up right. and I didn't realize how problematic or racist it was. So yeah. um, once I got older, I was like, ooh, I, that's not good.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. all children wanna do is to belong. So if yeah. you're surrounded by all white people and then there's, at the time we grew up, the beauty standards were totally different. You yeah. know, like if you were different from what was like Jessica Simpson, like who mm-hmm. are you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or if you're like stick thin or, you know, different races, like different heights, like weight, like nothing was okay unless you looked a certain way.
1: Yeah, Which, yeah the mold was like much smaller, I feel like. And what it you tell about yeah, no, well, that was before that.
2: the Kim Kardashian booty was popular, yeah. you know, <laughs> that, it was during a time where you're right, Jessica Simpson, the Daisy Dukes and, yeah. you know, a thin figure. And she's been able to share her story, too, um, on social media about how she struggled with her weight and, and different things like that. So it's amazing that she's opened up about that as well. Um, and being able to see that that trend and how hurtful it was to a lot of people. Who fit
1: it. Yeah, pretty toxic. Yeah. Was there ever a moment you could share with like your mom or a mentor or teacher about how you were feeling like out of place or it was just no one really talked to kids or no one asked you? Yeah,
2: I think no one really
1: talked to kids. That's such a good
2: point. That's literally why I wrote this book. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not just meant for a certain age range, like, you know, young adult to, teenager it it really is meant for kids who are younger and even elementary age because kids feel these things and they experience these things and honestly to an even more aggressive degree sometimes because kids at certain ages don't have filters Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of big conversations big experiences that happen um in elementary school and middle school that I feel like can really define a child's experience and can put them on a path where you know, their mindset is affected emotionally and beyond that. Um, I I feel like, so when I was younger, I, I did talk to my mom um, about heritage and things like that, but it's funny because she wasn't even sure. So she's like, I know that I'm mixed, but I don't know what I'm mixed with. And she kind of, especially during her time when she was a little girl, it was way worse where there was actual racism involved where people um, would say horrible things and wouldn't want to play with her. And, you know, certain things like that because she was just black enough for it to be noticeable. Um, She wasn't super white passing unless she had her hair straight. And so her experience was very different, but she didn't know what she's mixed with. She's just like, yeah, I'm mixed. So I never really had an answer. And after a while, I just kind of stopped asking and said, well, I mean, I guess I just have to live with this and no one cares and I'll just yeah. have to
0: figure it out. What, what, what did it feel like when you started to write your book and, you know, it started flowing and you're like, I'm going to make a positive impact. Like, were you even writing it to write a book or were you writing it just like for you and then it turned into something beautiful?
2: So
0: I, I
2: wrote it for me. And it was initially it started off as just journaling my thoughts and feelings and everything like that. And I had just recently started wearing my hair natural on air, which is a whole other thing. um, Because my last news station didn't like when I wore my hair natural on air. And so they very much were like, we need you to look like Barbara Walters and Ginger Z and have a hairstyle like this. But they didn't know that my hair was naturally curly because I had never worn it curly before. So they thought that I had gone in and done all these curls. And they were like, Oh, ah, we don't know. This is very different than when you came to the station. So I had to explain to them, no, my hair is naturally curly. And they were like, Oh, it takes you how long to get your hair straight. Yeah. And um, So that was the whole process. But um, as far as where the book came from. Yeah, it it just naturally came out. And that's why it's still so crazy to me that it even exists. um, Because I truly was writing it for myself. And then there was a point where I said, you know what, this story could really touch someone. And it's not, I don't know, like egocentric or self-righteous of me to share my story. And that's a huge message in the book where Um, I actually have a line in the the beginning where it says, sometimes the most powerful story you can share is your own, because you never know who can relate to you or who's going through the same exact thing. And the amount of times I've heard someone, I mean, even a mom who brings their daughter um, or a father, they've come up to me after I've done a reading and they've said, oh my gosh, this was my story growing up. And I got chills because it was like, you were literally talking about my experience from start to finish. And they brought their child to come see. So it's interesting how it just, it's not, I don't know, it's not just connecting to one age range.
1: I'm curious when you finish the book and you're like, oh, I think I have a book here. Did you self-publish or did you, how did you find a publisher? Tell me a little bit about that. I feel like that's helpful information, especially as you're inspiring people to maybe tell their stories. How did you do that? How did you get it in book form? So,
2: I decided to self publish. There were two publishers. I will not say who they are. <laughs> uh, there were two publishers that were interested once they got wind that I was writing. Um, and I got on the phone with one of them, and there were some things in the story where she basically said, "I think that you should change this language to this because it's meant for a younger audience and I don't think they're going to understand this or this concept is a little bit much don't you think for someone that's younger it's a little too I think she's the word provocative not not in an adult way but just in like a way of thinking um and so after hearing her critique of my story I said thanks but no thanks and so I decided to self-publish because one I wanted to keep my voice uh Mm -hmm. and two I wanted to keep all the rights to my story and have the freedom to, you know, sell wherever I wanted to sell or connect or donate or whatever it is, um, without having that restriction. So I honestly had no idea what I was doing. And, but I just, again, staying true to myself, I said, you know what, let me publish this myself and I can trust that the quality of the print is going to be good. Um, and everything, I won't have that little voice in the back of my mind saying, Hey, are you really sharing your story? 100% authentically or, are you allowing other people to influence because you know they have more connections?
0: Yeah, and you know the truth because you were—I mean—the story is about you, and we yeah. know the kids how smart they are and the thoughts that come at a young age. So it's like for her to tell you, like, "Oh, these thoughts might not be thought by yeah. an eight-year-old or a twelve-year-old." It's like, yeah, they do. Oh, or, they are or in her the world. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Yeah I I totally agree and that was a huge reason why I wrote the book the way that I did and there's as it continues like the um, I would say the verbiage there's more elevated um, word use as different phases of life are tapped into because the language fits that world so when I'm in elementary school the writing is very it still flows but it's words that a young child would use. And then in middle school, the words change a little bit. And then high school, there's more, you know, just just different worlds that you would, different words that you would find within the world that the character is experiencing um, and how people normally talk. And so it kind of, I feel like it gives kids who are younger a bird's eye view into what quote-unquote adulthood looks like because they feel like you know, they think about college and they're like, oh my gosh, that's when I'm going to have everything figured out. And the whole point of me tapping into college moments was I did not have everything figured out still. So, (laughs)
1: um,
2: so I, I definitely wanted to speak in a way that was true to myself, but also keeping it real. Kids are like this. I mean, the kids, even back when I was a child, when I was five years old, we were having these conversations about skin color and hair texture and what was pretty, what wasn't pretty, all of it. Um, yeah. And I think parents are aware. They're just afraid to address it.
0: Yeah. The kids have that like no BS radar.
1: <laughs> yes, 100%. That's why the book's helpful because maybe an adult is uncomfortable a little bit and that's their problem. But your book is a solution, especially like thinking about being a teacher and having all kinds of books that represent everybody in their classroom. Like this should be in every classroom hmm. amongst others, you know? But it's like, you can't just have the Disney princess books hanging out. It's like, you have to (laughs) represent everybody and tell different stories. And, and it helps, it helps, like I'm saying, like it would help the adult. That's like, this is a little hard for me to talk about because it makes me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that they could lean on the book and, you know, still send the message to the kiddos.
0: Yeah,
2: that's so true. And it's been really good to, it's been amazing to see the impact already yeah sharing the story and how relatable people find it and that was the whole point but it's gone so much farther beyond than what I thought it would um okay. so it's it's been really amazing but you're right I mean the diversity and in, in libraries and schools and it has been really encouraging a few people who are teachers and uh, people who work for nonprofits and things like that mm-hmm. they're so supportive and they're like oh my gosh we want this book we need to be having these conversations so so far, it has been celebrated. I haven't gotten any negative feedback at all. Um you have and-
0: a favorite awesome. moment? A favorite moment of like reading to the kids or, you know, speaking engagements where someone said something or really. Yeah. Like- there are so many. Um,
2: I feel like, and, and it's so weird because I felt this on TV as well when. Uh, during an interview, of course, you're going through speaking points and everything like that, where you have certain things planned out, or you have a schedule within the conversation and a producer in your ear being like, okay, this is how much time you have left. But there have been several moments where it's like this, I can't even describe it, but it's it's like everything stops and I become very self-aware. And I think, oh my gosh, I'm here right now. This is happening or feeling a real connection in real time. And thankfully with my job, I'm, I'm able to do that a lot because you know the topics are so fun and um, they involve community and people. But for my book, I would have to say one moment recently was there was a little girl and she looked exactly like how I did when I was younger. I mean, her smile, her hair and everything And I was able to squat down next to her to be eye level. And she let me touch her hair. And that was just very, it was such a defining moment because she was holding my book and I had just, you know, gotten done reading the story. And I thought she has this now, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not just the book that her mom so graciously purchased for me, but it's, she has this message and I remember thinking, I wonder what's going on in her mind right now, because she was so, she was a little quiet, but I was touching her hair and I asked her, do you know how beautiful you are? And she nodded. And I was like, yes, I was so happy. But
1: hmm. at the
2: same time, I just, it it made me wonder like, where would I be now? Had I known self-love at an earlier age and had I had a message like that where you know, it, it's something that's tangible. It's not just an idea or a thought that someone's throwing out randomly. It's, it's something that you can carry with you and reading that story over and over again just reaffirms, you know, those feelings. Um, so that was really powerful for me.
0: Really powerful. I'm sure it's going to change the course of how she talks to herself and views herself too. She's
1: yeah.
0: beautiful. We're like crying over here. <laughs>
1: I'm really trying to hold back the tears.
0: This is being recorded.
2: Oh
1: my god, like, girl,
2: your eyes will get real red. But,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's when you know, like you're doing like life's good work. You're making an imprint on people's lives, on children's lives, where it's going to change the course and they're not going to beat themselves up and feel like I don't belong. They're going to see you and look up to you and be like, she's beautiful. Like, and she looks like me, like I'm beautiful. And beyond smart and strong and capable, you know, and chasing goals. So it's just, I, when I saw <laughs> everything on you know, the waterworks on Instagram, <laughs> I was like, we have to talk to Clark because she's, it's so important. We have to look up. I mean, I think we just need to like always help the girls in our younger generation because we know how, you know, just the layer of being a girl is so different in this world. Add on layers of, Yeah.
2: It's crazy to think about because I truly, when I share my story, I think, oh my gosh, okay, great. they are going to hear another perspective. They're going to see, oh, look, she came out on the other side. But I think in the beginning, I was terrified of thinking about how, how kids might feel if they don't love themselves or even darker complected girls who have even curlier hair or more coarse or thicker hair than I do if they'd be able to relate to the story and um so I kind of wrestled with that for a little bit but it's it's weird to think that this has had an impact and I've had to really be proud of it Mm -hmm. and um and be okay with celebrating that and you know not out of a place of arrogance but just true celebration of you know, seeing, oh my gosh, my, you know, all that,
1: <laughs> I'm
2: getting so emotional. Oh my gosh. Um, but all the stuff I went through as a little girl who just did not want to be in her skin or mm-hmm. in her hair and being able to grow out of it. Um, you know, when, when you're a like that, you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel, mm-hmm. you're in an experience And do you think that's what it's going to be like forever? I will never forget that feeling because I had that feeling, you know, in high school when I was in relationships and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is the love of my life. And that was my future husband. And then you look back and you're like, Oh my God, what, what was I thinking? Um, Also, I was like 15. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, But to, to look back and see that everything um, that I've gone through is worth it and I probably would not have this story had I not gone through all those different trials and struggles right. and, you know, fallen down and scraped a knee, you know, so it's just really rewarding to to be on the other side of that and to show people who may be going through it, hey, I promise you it's going to be okay.
1: <laughs> Do you yeah. have any advice for a young person or anybody really that like when someone says a comment to you and it's like a throwaway comment but it does sting you know maybe it was about your hair maybe it's about your body maybe someone Mm -hmm. simply just calls you stupid but it's like whoa that hurt you know do you have any advice for like how to work through that so you don't like let it become its own like wound and a big Mm -hmm. big part of your story because like you were pretty much alone like you're saying growing up but like now that We're all connected and people can hear these free podcasts and see your show and like maybe see your book. It's like, what's a tip for like maybe not holding on so tight to like someone's stupid thing that's like their problem, not yours?
2: Honestly, I think you said it so perfectly. It's not holding on. Um Mm -hmm. and personally for me, I I let things roll off my back because I don't I don't give things power and I think that when it comes to other people's opinions or words that they say um, if you give it the power to affect you it will affect you but you have to practice just not allowing things to take your power or your energy um, or your thoughts and um, for me learning who i am and loving myself authentically and practicing that love um, has led me to discovering my truth my personal truth and so when people say different things that are negative or you know not so nice i just recognize it as being a lie like that's not it's not true it's not my truth so it's not relevant to me and also knowing that if someone is negative Um, or is saying those things, they probably feel that way about themselves deep down, even if they're not presenting that way. Um, A lot of people who have the time to be negative, it's almost like a release for them, because they're going through something. And it's so funny to say that, because like, when you're younger and hear that, you think, oh, wow, that's interesting. But as an adult, I truly see it in real time. You
1: see it, and it's yeah. real. I love that, though, that little what you said, though, like identifying that as a lie, being like, mm, not true. Moving on, you know, and like pretty much hand up, like, no thanks.
2: Yeah, and I think for me, too, and this is a little bit, I don't know, it's a more evolved version of that just as I've gotten older. And this industry is truly ruthless. Like television,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, I've I've chosen to be kind, to stay true to myself, to elevate others, because I have fought against, um, you know, a system that can be so negative and people, there are some people who have huge egos or huge personalities. And they also have, you know, big struggles and things that they're overcoming in their own lives, but they can project it onto other people. Um, and so I as I've like tried to stay true to myself and fight against the, the norm, like the TV stereotypes um, I've, I've really grown into my own and I've, I've learned to like, even when people give you compliments and say, Oh my gosh, you look so beautiful or, Oh, wow. I don't let that dictate anything. It's nice when people say nice things, but Mm -hmm. also I still know my truth. So I'll accept a compliment and, you know, if there's genuine love and everything, you know, I can tell the difference, but I also don't hold on to compliments or people when they say, Oh, you look great in this, or wow. If it's a physical, you know, compliment as well, if it's an outfit or about my body or about anything, even if it's nice, I'm kind of like, all right, well, you're still judging me. Yeah. I look into your own conclusion and I don't need you to tell me I'm amazing. I know I'm amazing because, my, <laughs> in my place, you know, so, yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm here to shine my light and show other people that they're amazing, too, because it's not just about me. Um, so I've learned to find a balance between, um, you know, being grateful and having a lot of gratitude for the beautiful things that come my way, but also whether it's a positive or a negative way of celebrating me. I stay neutral and I, I focus
1: on me, you know. Very cool.
0: This is bring up something that I wanted to share because it can go like it's not based on race, but in college I was rooming with three other girls and they were all in my sorority and like we had planned like bathrooms and who had the bedrooms, you know, and all that. And I have like curly hair, but you know, it's like whatever. I always was insecure about having curly hair. You know, it's like I'm white, but it's like no one, you know, we all straightened our hair, like no one had Curly hair. And I, the first day of my junior year, we moved into my apartment <clears throat> and I had brushed my hair and I left my hairbrush out on my counter. I, sorry, I'm going to get emotional because <laughs> it's like the mean girl stuff. So it's like, I can't even imagine yeah. how you felt. And I was what, 21, 20, 21. Mm. And this girl, Corey, she goes, Sonia has wildebeest hair. I heard her tell my roommate and she goes, I'm not sharing a bathroom with her. And then they switched bathrooms. And then I, then I like had, like, I was like, like, okay, but she, they didn't never knew that I heard her say that. And that they switched and then they made up some like random excuse to share a bathroom together, even though, you know, we already had this plan. And then I was like, that is so rude. And it hurt me so deep. Cause it was like an insecurity I had already. No. Then I was like, so anyway, I, I just, I guess it just came up, which is crazy, but yeah, people are so mean just because yeah. you look different. It's insane. And you know, what's interesting too,
2: going through experiences like that as a little kid, of course, when you're younger, you immediately start crying. Yeah. But I feel like people need to put more value on these experiences and words and how they're affected when they're older as well, because for you to feel that at your age, Right. You know, people see, oh, 21 year old and she has it together and she shouldn't let that bother her. But if that really affects you, you do hold on to it and maybe you're not outwardly expressing it, but it stays with you in your mind. So whenever right. you're in your hair, whenever you go out, whenever you take a shower, whenever yeah. you go into that bathroom where you put your right.
1: hairbrush, you're yeah. thinking
2: about that comment and it just yeah. lives inside your brain rent free. Right. And you have to decide okay, how much space am I going to let this take up? Yeah, It's really hard when you're in it to see that you have the power to just push it out and say, you know what? First of all, this is coming from someone that is not a real friend. Right. If all she does is talk about other girls and other people and gossip and make yeah. these comments that are just, why can't you keep it to yourself? Um, yeah. And also, I don't want that company because it's negative. And you know, people whose personalities are based off of gossiping and it's just like, that's who they are.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: It's not exciting. It's not fun. It gets old after a while. Like there's no substance there. So
0: now, like now I'm confident enough. I would be like, I heard that. And I would say something to them, but at that time I wasn't. So it was like, I lived with them and I knew, you know, that was just like the worst way to start living with someone for a year. Oh. and then she like invited me to her wedding and I'm like no
1: <laughs> right absolutely <laughs> Never, not.
0: like choose to spend time with someone who like <laughs> makes that a point and you know like that was just like like you should you
2: know, it, it, it could
0: have been a throwaway comment but I honestly didn't have the tools right the time yeah. to stand up for myself and let it roll off my back no
2: but anyone who says something like that I mean, that's just negative to begin with, so it's, it's almost like I wonder if someone's commenting on a hairbrush right. Thats left out. I couldn't imagine Other ear sucked.
1: She sucked. I don't <laughs> even know what a wildebeest <laughs> is, but you should send a belated wedding gift of wildebeest 10 years hair later like, from yeah. a wildebeest a hairbrush:
2: <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> in case. Yeah. Oh
2: my gosh. I know that was a very
0: specific animal for her to bring up too. That's yeah. really well, that's <laughs> a, not a very attractive animal to bring up. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> but anyway, Clark, we always end the podcast with our question of what makes you feel the most alive?
1: Don't do that. <laughs> I love you. Really oh, gosh. We're all empaths. we. we
2: day full of crying (laughs) honestly it feels good to let it out um who i would say um what makes me feel alive is when i meet someone no matter what their age is because it for me it's been so fulfilling to feel this with my book with kids and then in my field um when i meet someone and they say, you have such positive energy and I love what you put on social media and how you carry yourself. You make me so
1: happy. And you make me believe in myself too. Um, I feel like we all have gifts and um, you know, callings,
2: big or small. Um, they're all big no matter how much you want to define it as you know not being a big deal but we all have gifts to share with people and the most fulfilling thing to me is giving everything that I have away (laughs) you know it's it's sharing it and saying no you can have this too and guess what everything you're looking for in other people whether it's compliments or a relationship or a friendship or a purse or whatever it is all that validation you already have in you, like your gifts are already in you. There's only one you in existence that is your superpower. You know, a lot of people don't know that. They don't know that just being themselves and no one else can be, you've already won. <laughs> so um, to be able to share that with people and and connect with people, and when they start to believe it or they realize it, it's like a little seed has been planted. And I'm just like, oh yes, world domination. Like you yeah. can really take over and have so much more, get so much more out of this life simply by believing in yourself. So that's what makes me feel alive. That's
0: beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you so much, Clark. Tell everybody- how to keep
2: this knot from dripping out. Of-
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm trying so hard not to sniffle, but I can't. Let it drip, let it drip. Um,
0: Wait, tell everybody where they can buy your book, follow you on Insta, all the good stuff.
2: Yes. So I am at the perfect mixed book on Instagram. And then the same thing, theperfectmixedbook.com. It'll take you to the Shopify page so you can buy the digital download. I have a coloring book out now, um, the hard copy. I'm working on getting the price to be a little bit lower. It's just materials right now because of inflation are a little bit more expensive. So I'm holding on and I'm trying to see um, when I can knock the price back down a little bit more. Um, and then on Instagram as well, at Clark Finney. So it's C-L-A-R-K-E-F-I-N-N-E-Y on Instagram. Um, that's my, my main account where my whole life is. I truly, like no filter, <laughs> live my life within the boundaries of being a professional, but still. Um, <laughs> I love connecting with people and hearing stories and genuinely um, just, I don't know, connecting with people on a very human level.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Everybody go follow Clark, go get, go get her book, spread positive vibes everywhere you go. Thank you so much, Clark
1: yes thank you so
0: much you two are so beautiful thank you oh you are too thank (laughs) you bye bye thanks to our guest for more information on her see the show notes please hit subscribe if you have not already that way a new episode is delivered directly to your feed every week